You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. It is so good to have you with me here today. I'm delighted to be bringing you today's episode. It's going to empower you. It's going to arm you. It's going to uplift you. You're going to walk away with so many practical tips and also a big smile on your face. Thanks to today's guest, who is Noah Tishby, the author of the book Israel, A Simple Guide to the Most Misunderstood Country on Earth. And together, we've created an episode for you that answers all the things that you're feeling, which is, how do I talk about Israel with my friends? How do I talk about people that don't understand what's going on in Israel? How do I myself understand the situation a bit better? How can I get other people to reconsider opinions about Israel? And so much more. Noah is the perfect guest because, first of all, she has an incredible Instagram account that I'm sure you already follow, but if you don't, go ahead and find her at Noah Tishby, and you'll see she has this wonderful ability to break down complex situations into really simple, engaging, one-minute, two-minute videos, and they are shared over and over and over and over and over and She's so brilliant at this. She's such a great ambassador for Israel, such a great spokesperson, and No wonder she wrote this book. Before she became an author, she's actually most known for being an Israeli actress, a producer, a writer. She now lives in LA. I didn't think I'd be describing this episode as fun, but it really is. It's fun, it's practical, you'll learn so many things and you'll be able to be a better advocate for Israel and a better advocate for Jews and feel confident with that. It's also going to take away triggers. There's a really good element to the episode where we talk about triggering and how to not be triggered and so much more. So let's dive in with Noah. And on this episode in particular, I want to hear from you. I want you to DM me at your Jewish life. I want you to join in the conversation and feel free to write review on Apple iTunes as well. That makes sure more people get to know about the podcast, get to feel uplifted and seen and all the good stuff that comes out of listening to these episodes. So let's dive right in with Noah. So welcome now to the podcast. I'm very excited to interview you and talk about Israel, my favorite country in the world. I I guess it's yours too, is it? (laughs) I love Israel and America and the UK. And I love a lot of countries, but Israel, obviously it's my hometown and my homeland. Yeah, it has a special place in my heart. Don't know if you know, I'm half Israeli. My mother's Israeli. So I'm just deeply connected and always getting into conversations about Israel. I'm hoping to learn a little bit from today's episode to have even more interesting conversations about Israel. So how did you get here? Why are you the person I'm talking to about Israel and why it's the most misunderstood country on earth? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. How did you get here? Great question. No idea. Um, So this happened gradually. So I, I obviously, I don't know if you, you know, if you got a chance to read my book or, or your audience Absolutely. or whatever, but I started I did, my yeah. Fantastic. So I, I, thank you. So I started um, my career in the entertainment industry in Israel. 
And, uh, and I was born to a very Zionist family, but this was not something that was in the forefront of my mind. Like it wasn't something that I thought is defining who I am. And I moved to the United States. I did, I did very well in Israel and I moved to the United States to further my career. And I, I did terribly at times in America because it's difficult in LA to break into the entertainment industry. But throughout the entire time, I kept hearing people's concept about Israel and their thoughts and, and, and feelings in the mid. And I, I realized this severe misunderstanding that Israel has in the world. And I realized that, and I was just unable to sit still. So it wasn't like it was something that was planned. Like I wasn't thinking to myself, I'm going to be a crusader for the state of Israel. Like it was just something that I would like sit in a conversation and people would say something stupid. And I'd be like, well, actually that's not true. X, Y, and Z is true. And I found that I have a way to make it simple for people. So people were, were understanding what I what I'm talking about. And, and I was able to change people's minds and I would find myself very often sitting with friends and colleagues and, and whatnot in restaurants and like drawing maps on dinner on napkins. This is Gaza. This is Jerusalem. And this is the West Bank. And this is the difference, but you know, just like really kind of laying it, laying it out for, for people. And slowly, slowly it became more of a thing that I do on a regular basis. So in 2011, I formed the first online advocacy and rapid response organization, which is dedicated to defending Israel and spreading, you know, spreading truths and uh, negating and fighting misinformation and started doing speaking engagements and working with Jewish organizations and working unofficially with, with the government. And slowly, slowly I gotten more into this world. And throughout the entire time, I would be having conversations with people and they would ask me if there's a book that they can read. So I would sit with people that are somewhat on the more kind of like liberal spectrum of the political map. And because it's obviously it's Hollywood. So, you know, where, where I'm here and they would be like, just realize that my star of David is hidden. How is my star of David hidden? It's never hidden. Ever. We have a hashtag for, for that in our Smashing Life community, hashtag PDJ, public displays of Judaism. And we love it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> God, PDJ, I couldn't have more. PDJ, um, we uh, love our PDJs. I'm covered in stars, exactly. <laughs> so working with like a lot of, of more people that are more on the liberal political spectrum and I would have conversations with them and they would understand what I'm talking about. And I, was, I, would, be, I would be able to explain this to them. And when they asked me if there's a book that they can read, even though that there, there are hundreds of extraordinary books about Israel. I knew that there's nothing out there that makes the story of Israel simple, easy to understand, fun, dare I say, funny, relatable. And I knew they like it- you. <laughs> Thank you. You're all those things. <laughs> right. Um, um, but I, I just knew that all the books out there are for history buffs and political buffs and, and people that are interested in every single battle in the war of independence and exact, you know, all these things, which I'm fascinated by. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are fascinated by, but the majority of the population is not, and are not interested in, in, in reading every single detail. And they want to hear kind of like the meta conversation, the birds, birds eye view and understand what Israel, what, what is it all about? My first book proposal, actually, for this book, the headline, the title was WTF is Israel. Like, that's what I intended to have kind of like what the, you know, what the, I don't know if I can curse on your podcast or not, but that was the first iteration. That was the first name title of the book. And that was my intention to make it simple and make it easy for people to understand. And I feel very blessed that I feel like people are, are relating to it and they, they do find it helpful and they do find Israel's story easy to understand through my book. 
Well, like you said earlier, you've got such a knack for breaking down the complexities. You're making the politics and the history of the Middle East simple for people. And not only in your book, which I really enjoyed, it was actually an engaging read, but in very much lately, certainly I, I'll admit I've, I was probably introduced to your Instagram in May of 2021 during mm. the most recent war and the way you have these very short snippets where you break things down and I'm I'm sure you do them strategically to make them very shareable is that right because it's it's easy people can understand it and how doesn't it take longer to conceive a one minute snippet than a a, a 300 page book (laughs) it takes it shorter no question about that but it does it does take a minute so you know one of the tools that you give us are the words to share with our audience um, by breaking things down how any tips like how can we start advocating you know and also what is that ripple effect you said that you in your circle you know people would understand when you explain things when you broke things down did you feel that you were just impacting on one person and then it stopped or did is there a ripple effect do they then start influencing their circles like what inspired you to really take this up there must have been a moment where you saw some sort of change so the bottom line is this work is not going to be completed in my lifetime or any of our listeners' lifetime at all. This is not going to be done. So to say, yes, I have um, an effect on people, but I would be remiss to think of myself as anything other than another drop in the sea of misinformation about Israel. So, and this is why we all need to do our part. I I can't really explain why this is that I... I just, I guess being Israeli and American, I was born and raised there. I have the background and the history and the stories and the and, and all the information and the and ability to communicate it. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it's that complicated. I really don't. That's why I named the book um, A Simple Guide to the Most Misunderstood Country on Earth, because it's not that, you know, because it's a simple guide, because the, the question that I always, or the word that people always use is, oh, it's so complicated. And I'm like, no, it's actually not that complicated. It's pretty simple. The Jewish people deserve self-governance and self-determination in some parts of their ancestral land. That's it. We do. We really do. And to say otherwise and to only deny the Jewish people from self-determination, self-governance in their ancestral land is (laughs) anti-Semitic. That is something that we all need to embody in, in ourselves and to be like, well, you know, it's complicated with this. No, there is political situation there that needs to be resolved with the Palestinians. There's no question about that. And it needs to be resolved in good faith and negotiations right, for, but through a political lens, not through a human rights lens and not through like a, a this intersectionality and all this insanity that we're experiencing right now. So for me to empower our community to own this and be okay with it, not shy away from this and not be apologetic is very important. And if I can affect one person at a time to walk out in the world and feel pride and feel ownership, then I've done my job. It's funny when you say it's not complicated and you explain it all in one sentence, which I'm like, oh yeah, it is, it is that. Because it's one- so complicated. I'm like, no, no, people are now talking about denying Israel's right to exist. Like this is what we need to understand. And this is, it's crazy town. One of the we won't stand for that as a community we cannot stand for that absolutely and one of the things that we see sort of argued about on social media is when people do say something on either side there's a statement of well you just don't know there's so many facts around this and it relates to this incident that happened in 1967 and there's a and so it is sort of seen as complicated and like my new lens for this is what you're saying it's really yeah. quite 
simple. It's very simple. It's very, very simple because it's okay to argue against and for Israeli government's policies. There's no question. We all argue policies of the American government and the UK government and the French government. Like we all, governments are not perfect. Okay. And countries are not perfect. So it's okay to say, I hate this policy. What Israel's doing here is terrible. That's fine. But denying Israel's right to exist is not acceptable. And that's the conversation we're having. This is the conversation people are having right now. That's what we saw in May. That's in my book. Like that's, you know. Absolutely. It's everywhere. And why is Israel held to such a standard that no other country is held to? That's a great question. I, I don't, I don't exactly know the answer. Obviously, I have some assumptions. Israel does is held to a, a higher standard, and to, it's it's basically a double standard. And also applying double standard to Israel, that's also anti-Semitic. That falls under the three Ds, which the State Department has um, adopted as defining what is a proper and acceptable criticism of Israel or the Israeli government, and what is anti-Semitic. Double standard is anti-Semitic. So when people are so passionately passionately raging against Israel, and they're not raging passionately against, you know, Iran and any other country in the world that like you can name, I I can't tell you how many, that's a double standard. Why? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I I think that people hold Israel to a a different, a different standard than any other countries. I, at the end of my book, I had a conversation with my friend Majid Nawaz, who is a uh, British Pakistani-born British guy, and he and I asked him, and he was he he wrote a book called Radical. He was an Islamist. He sat in prison for being a part of a terrorist organization called Hezbollah al Tahrir. Like he and he made a 180, and is a huge supporter of Israel, and is is, is reforming terrorists basically and, and Islamists. So a, a very interesting guy. So. And I asked him, I called him up and I had this kind of like a survey, like a very anecdotal kind of asking around some friends and like, why do you think people hate Israel? Why do you think people hate Israel? What do you, you know, just kind of yeah. like, and I yeah. called him up and I'm like, what do you, wh- why do you think people hate Israel? And his answer was, it just floored me. And he just went, oh, it's anti-Semitism, of course. Wow. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's anti-Semitism. People don't feel comfortable with Jewish self-determination. And I'm like, mm. okay. And then he gave me the example of Pakistan. And he said, Pakistan and Israel basically were created the exact same pretense and context, right? They were both decolonized from Great Britain. They were both created to create to fulfill freedom of religion and separated from India, right? At the time, Pakistan is controlling other religions, holy sites. And there's the Kashmir, which is also um, disputed. It's a, it's a land that is disputed. And it was basically created a few months apart. From each other. So there's not, he said, there's nothing you can say about Pakistan that you, about Israel that you can't say about Pakistan. And he said, yet you don't see any boycott movements against Pakistan. Nobody's calling to cancel Pakistan. Nobody's saying, and I was just like, Oof. I didn't, you know, obviously, and he's Pakistani. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about. But that was, that was, I, I don't want to blanket everybody as anti-Semitic, everybody, but, but there's certainly a double standard when it comes to Israel. And obviously the other Ds are delegitimization. So delegitimizing Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state, as a nation state of the Jewish people and demonizing Israel. So when you say Israel is engaged in ethnic cleansing, when every single number shows the opposite, that's blood libel. And that's demonizing the Jewish state, anti-Semitic. Absolutely. And on that note, you know, I know you've talked about the definition of Zionism and 
relating that to anti-Semitism, I'd like I'd like to actually talk about you know what is Zionism because there's so much again misunderstanding around it, and you make it so simple. So um, again, don't for your listeners, don't get confused by people trying to throw shit in your eyes and be like Zionism is racism and Zionism is it? No, it isn't. Okay, it is not. So here's my definition of Zionism, and I say it until I'm blue in the face, and I would encourage everyone to remember that or the, you know, the gist of it. So Zionism is a movement for Jewish liberation and self-determination in a Jewish, not an exclusively Jewish state. Okay. So Zionism, first of all, it's a progressive movement in essence. So it was a movement in order to, that was created in order to progress Jews from years of oppression, persecution, Holocaust, to progress them into self-governance. So it's one of the most successful progressive movements in the world, right? And it's a movement for Jewish liberation and self-determination in a Jewish state, not an exclusively Jewish state, just an ex- just a Jewish state. That's it. And if you say that you disagree with that, unless you want to dismantle every other country in the world, there's a name for that. It's so empowering listening to you. <laughs> and I mean, that should be a, a little Instagram definition. I might, with your permission or else do it on your account, like kind of quote that with your name on just yeah. so that we have a reference point. We need almost like a Noah Tishby playbook, like a little page of little like flick book of quotes. (laughs) So, so again, in your sort of simple, you know, not language, because it's not a simple language, you just break things down for us. Um, You know, it's almost like step by step as well. Like, how can, you know, I have a platform, you have a platform, but you know, for the individuals who use Instagram for fun, they don't have platforms, but they do have their network. And each one of us has a voice to use. I'm often advocating for that with, to my followers. How can we better engage and be an advocate for Jews um, on social media rather than just, let's say, it's great to share one of your posts, but what, what can, how do people find their voice to actually start standing up to it? So first of all, the depressing answer to this is it's going to be very difficult because numbers wise, we're screwed. We really are. So as I say, I say this many times, like one Bella Hadid on one social media platform has almost five times the amount of Jews in the entire world. That's what we're dealing with. I wouldn't encourage anybody to run into this fight kind of going, I can make a huge difference. We can't, we can make small differences, each one of us. And that's what we need to continue doing. Engaging in social media, what I always say is, first of all, do not engage with trolls. So if you, if you, you know, bots and trolls, ignore them. The people that are brainwashed and hateful, don't even start having a conversation with them because it's never going to work out and you're only going to get anxiety. That's number one. Number two, if you do see someone from your community that is saying something that is wrong, reach out to them. That I highly recommend. Like I highly recommend that. And number three, I think the most important thing for us as a Jewish community is to be rooted in our Jewish community and deep, like, like re-root ourselves in our Jewish community and our heritage and our stories and backgrounds and history and know how to answer these questions and, and have that Jewish pride, have that Jewish pride. Because if we have that and we're willing to stand up tall, anti-Semitism is going to die down. It's the fact that we're a little sheepish and sometimes we kind of like don't want to ruffle any feathers, don't want to rock the boat. We're just like, eh. Just not upset anybody. No, I mean I'm not advocating for upsetting people, but but I'm advocating for owning up for for who we are as a people. That's that's I think that's key, and that is something. If you have a platform that is not big, that is your friends and family, and you feel like you don't have enough of a voice, it's okay. Not everybody has to be a voice, but be voice be a voice in your community, be a voice to your friends and your colleagues and your family and your you know 
do that. that. And that's how we get stronger as a community that way. Kind of goes back to PDJ again. It's like, you know, celebrate, celebrate the Jewishness. And even if maybe you want to talk about baking challah, that's great. You know, people will ask questions. What's that bread? Like just talking about Jewish in a frame. I mean, challah, challah is going to win everyone over. Yes. (laughs) I can win wars. (laughs) Um, You know, my, my brand, my, what we do is very much about celebrating Jewish joy. And it feels like it's a kind of small voice in the, in the sea of kind of Jewish Instagram, which is a lot about sort of trauma and guilt and anti-Semitism. And it's like, there's so much good stuff about being Jewish that I think sometimes people just take it as part of the package. Oh, it's part of being Jewish. We have anti-Semites, we have hate, you know, and- We do, but that's okay. And also the other thing is people get fatigued. Like, how do you deal with anti-Semitism fatigue and burnout? Like, how do you find the energy? Know like, that it's never going to end. I kid you not. I say this all the time. I, I, it's never going to end. Look, it's, it's what <laughs> we're not going to solve anti-Semitism. The thing that we're going to solve it is crazy town. And it's going to immediately, you're going to get drained within 24 hours. You're going to be like, I can't. So of course you can't, cause it's never going to get solved. Like, so I talk about this in my book as well. So in 74 AD, there was a famous Jewish historian. His name is Josephus Flavius. And he, he wrote about like the Jewish, the great Jewish Roman war. And this is how we have all this history of what went down basically in the fall of Jerusalem back in the day. And when he went to Rome, he basically, he wrote a book called the antiquity of the Jews, right? It was an epic 50,000 volume book, huge kind of chronicling the stories of the Jews from the ancient days until now. Blah, blah, blah. And he wrote that book in order to fight pagan anti-Semitism. My goodness. That was in 74 AD. The like oldest 2000 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So 2000 years ago, right, there was a guy in Rome, a Jewish guy in Rome that felt so compelled to fight anti-Semitism that he wrote this book that survived until today. And that was back then. So who are we in 2022 to be like, oh, with my social media, I'm going to end this, right? I'm not going to end this. Hopefully I'll be able to fight it and whack them all it and change some people's minds and make it kind of like subside until God knows when it's going to end, because this is as, as old as time, anti-Semitism. So, do so and again, it's interesting because growing up in Israel, I didn't realize that that still existed. I, I didn't know. That's it. Exactly. Like everyone knows in Israel no idea. that it is the democracy of the Middle East, that you're dealing with all these, you know, countries. Interesting that- regimes around us. So it was only when you went to America that that you woke up to the fact that, my God, would you go as far as saying like you realize that everyone hates Israel? Is that a bit too strong? (laughs) Not everyone hates Israel. That's a bit too strong. No, but I've I've encountered anti-Semitism for the first time when I was 17 years old, when I was in um, Greece. And I tell that story when I was on a boat in Greece. That's when I had... um, yeah, that's when the <laughs> first time that I was like, wait, what? <laughs> People actually think that about us? That's so bizarre. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that was the first time I encountered anti-Semitism. And then when I moved to America, I just I encountered the misunderstanding and fascination about Israel. Yes. So it's yes. it's like the, the the people are obsessed with it, but they know nothing, but they have very strong opinions. Can so you talk about how you know it's small changes, but look how you acting upon using your voice yes you have a platform but still I mean you've made change to the point where in the recent weeks you've been named Israel's first ever special envoy for combating anti-semitism how did that make you feel what a journey already I'm sure it's just the beginning as well 
God willing. Um, yes. So I'm very honored to have named um, Israel's first ever special envoy for combating anti-Semitism and delegitimization. So we're actually connecting the two because it's anti-Semitism and delegitimization are one and the same. It, what, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge honor. It's very overwhelming, right? I was very honored when Foreign Minister Lapid offered me the position. My first questions were like, wait, what, is, what does this mean? What do, and he's like, we, it hasn't existed before. So let's create this. And I'm like, amazing. So it's been like two weeks since the position was announced. Pesach was in the middle. So it's technically one week. And it's been, it's been fascinating so far. Absolutely fascinating. And I'm, again, I'm honored uh, to, to take this role, knowing that I'm going to fail. So by the time I'm done, anti-Semitism is not going oh to be gone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. So yeah, what are your goals? To bring mainstream media attention to anti-Semitism and delegitimization of Israel. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's my goal. And how to get there, we'll, we'll figure it out. A lot of different avenues and ways to do this. How has writing the book versus your work on Instagram led you to that role? Because I mean, what what's put you in the limelight? To, to how, Am I allowed to ask sort of how it came about? Is that something you're allowed to discuss? You should ask Foreign Minister Lapid how that came about, because this was entirely his idea. Wow. How did that entirely make you feel? They, I mean, it's because it's like goes back to what you're saying. Like, I think each one of us think I can't change. I can't make, you know, but but you got to go after your, what were you going, like, what made you think? But the important thing to remember again, it's like, even if you think of the greatest people in the world, right. They didn't change the world. So like, not even like Gandhi, right. Yeah. I absolutely love what you're saying. Martin Luther King, he didn't change the world. He moved the ball forward a lot. He made a difference. Yes. Like the, those people, Mother Teresa, like those people make a difference. They don't change the world. Nothing. No one does that. So when you approach your, let's say, life in general, right? And, and we can also use like the, the pro-Israel activism or your Jewish identity or like what, whatever it is that you are, that is important to you or whatever, whether it's climate change, whether it's whatever it is, right? Animal rights, anything, right? Any kind of passion that you have, whatever it is. Don't approach it as a problem to solve, but a context to live into. Meaning mm-hmm. no one person can change every, one person can make a huge difference. So, but you're, if relating to it as like, I'm waking up into this context, I'm living into this context of I'm making a difference. I'm moving the ball forward today. I'm just moving the ball forward. I've, I've changed my colleague's point of view. Amazing. Move the ball, the ball forward. That's how you maintain your stamina and keep at it. And when you look back years later, you're like, oh, I've, I've made a difference. I <laughs> like I didn't, appro- I didn't wake up in the morning to be like, I'm going to change the world. I woke up in the morning, you know, I'm going to make a difference with whatever I can. And then it accumulates. And throughout the years, you're like, wow, I, I passed the legislation about climate change. I made a difference in like child trafficking in like whatever country. I made a difference in, in Jewish activism and Jewish life and in my pro-Israel, um, pro-Israel activities. Okay, now we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Noah in just a sec. Just want to take a brief moment to tell you about my community, Smashing Life. It's a beautiful Jewish community that I'd absolutely love you to be a part of. It's a place to build the life you want on your terms, empowered by a community of like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. We have masterclasses and parties and get-togethers and socials and so much more. Um, Why don't I hand over to Ashley, one of our members from Los Angeles, and she can tell you what it's all about. 
So my favorite thing about being in Smashing Life is that it provides access to basically a group of friends where it's safe to share things that are good, that are bad, and things that you would never share publicly, like, I just took a pregnancy test and it came back negative. This sucks, everybody commiserate with me, or someone at work just threw me under the bus, and you know, people are so supportive, or you get to share something positive, like, you know, I just got a promotion at work, but I can't share it yet because it hasn't been announced yet. You can just share everything with each other and get you know support you can get just your group of friends cheering you on or commiserating with you supporting you for whatever you need and it's it's so special so there you have it that smashing life it's an incredible community membership club for jewish women and i'd love you to join just head to smashinglife.club smashinglife.club and join today So I think one of the things that's always struck me, I don't know whether you saw it uh, being born and raised in Israel, but as I say, my mom's Israeli, but I was born in London and lived my childhood in London, grew up in London, but a very proud half Israeli here. But I've always noticed, and my parents have felt the same thing all throughout my life, that Israel has a massive PR problem. And I think the fact that they've appointed you is genius because you've got an international flavor, you're gorgeous, you're engaging, and you're, you're so, yeah, you're influential. People, can, people listen to you. But my question is this, why do you think Israel has a massive PR problem? And apart from appointing you, what else can be done about it? So <laughs> I, I, I understand that. I understand that. And I talk about that a lot as well. Uh, Being uh, what I say, 100% Israeli and 100% American, Israel have as a country, and I'm I'm saying this in my personal capacity, obviously not as a representative, Israel has a lot of fish to fry and they're bigger. And it's not surprising to me that for the state of Israel that has to deal with Hamas 30 miles from Tel Aviv and a the Palestinian Authority and international pressure and Iran basing itself up north in Syria, that PR or Hasbara is not at the forefront of what they need to deal with. And I know this from, again, not as a government person at all, but as a private citizen that I we hear this all the time as Israelis. It's kind of like, oh, shut up you and your like issues with like Hasbara and PR. You try living here. Then we'll figure it out. I don't need to explain myself to you. I'm dealing with actually surviving, okay? So that's kind of like the attitude. So it's not entirely surprising to me. Obviously, um, there's a new government now. I do believe that Foreign Minister Lapid does understand the importance of uh, the perception of Israel around the world in today's world and uh, of the appointing me and appointing Asaf Zamir as Consul General in New York. And I think he has a lot of appointments all over the world that are indicative, indicative of his understanding of the new landscape. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, hopefully it'll change. And again, we're not going to solve anti-Semitism and Israel is not going to be beloved by everybody. It's <laughs> You're just a not realist. <laughs> what are the yeah. things that make you most proud about being an Israeli? Oh, wow. Wow. Great question. Never been asked that. I think that to some extent, so both my parents were born in Israel and my grandparents on like one side. So I'm like fourth generation um, Israeli on, on some sides. I think there's a sense there's an essence, a personality essence by being an Israeli of like, uh, kind of like a can-do attitude that is problematic at times, can be, come across as aggressive, but also 
made like got me through a lot of what I had to go through in life. So, and I think that's something that I'm very proud of. I think I, I attribute a lot of it to my mom being a kick-ass kind of woman that she is. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a, Israelis are entrepreneurial in essence. So it really, it really is like, it's a small country and there's like, there's traffic jams everywhere and you have this like bureaucracy and people, and, but then there's like a lot of innovation and people are just like very, yeah, very entrepreneurial and full of kind of full of life. And I, I'm I'm very, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy that I have that essence in me. I, I think was because life is so yeah. valued in Israel, you know, here in the UK, people can be, let's say someone's out of work. They're like, Oh, I need to find a job. I'll just, yeah. And it's like that kind of leth- lethargy, which you, you just, if someone's, you know, it's dynamite in Israel, there's always something going because we value life. We know how precious it is. We're made to realize yeah. that. And also we've been, been under threat yes. a lot. Yeah. So yes. it's kind of like been under threat a lot. So you appreciate it when it's, when it's calm. And what do you wish people would better understand about Israel? Um, may I just also do a quick plug for the book? I think so many of the questions that I'm asking Noah obviously can be answered in the book. There's nothing like, you know, having this conversation with Noah, but the book is just a must. If you've, you know, if you're interested in this episode, even just a tiny little bit, the book is going to just be such an amazing tool for you and it's a great read as well it's funny it's it's wonderful um and also it's got lots of facts which i know we haven't even yet touched upon the importance of actual facts which we can get to that as well there's so much to talk about what was even my intuition? yes yeah, so so the, the, there is the book that you know is exactly about the most misunderstood country in the world but what in the context of the podcast in the context of our conversation a snippet of the book what do you feel people need to better understand about israel well that depends because i think you're probably your audience know know about israel so i think that again what what i said at the beginning that the jewish people deserve you know have a right for self-determination self-governance and a piece of their ancestral land like that, mm-hmm. that is, that is something that is just very important. I think for every Jewish and non-Jewish person to embody, um, and have this be an unquestionable th- truth because right now it's being up for, it's raised up for debate and that should be, that should not be up for debate. Absolutely. And, you know, on that note, how, how can, you know, you have the art of breaking down the, the complicated as we know. So here's one for you. <laughs> <laughs> how can we how can we understand the situation a bit better um how can and most importantly how can we how can we get people to reconsider opinions about israel i'm not sure how to answer that but i think that everybody knows so so here here's what i say and this is again it's anecdotal it's not I, i'm this is kind of like i'm 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 gr- i'm guessing the numbers but more or less right out of 10 people and out of 10 people in your life and all of our lives right two are brainwashed so two are off the reservation. They're like out for lunch. They are completely brainwashed. They're like, Israel's a genocide state and there's nothing you can tell me that would change my mind, right? About two or a variation of that. But eight out of those people are willing to have a conversation. And those are the people that we need to have a conversation with, in my opinion. So how do you, you as a person in, like you can identify who these people are in your life and you can have those conversations with the people that you think you can make a difference. If you think that you can't, just don't. Because some people you're never gonna convince and we can't chase them. Like I'm not very much, I'm not again, I'm not after like chasing after the progressive left or the, you know, whatever the, I'm not, I'm not after changing like Rashida Tlaib's mind. It's not what I'm about. You're talking to the people that already 
are willing to listen willing or just listen. a bit in the middle? Yeah, willing to, willing to listen, willing to, listen, willing to yeah. learn. is the majority of the population. The majority of people are not crazy. It's just the crazy ones are the ones that yell on social media. Um, <laughs> the normal ones, which is the majority, they just go quiet. Just mm. kind of go, hmm, I'm not going to say anything because it's insanity. So, you know. Yeah. And one of the things that comes up, I don't know if it's even a valid question, but it comes up a lot in my community and I want this episode to, to sort of arm and help everybody in my community when it comes to talking about Israel with their network and for their own knowledge as well. One thing that comes up is time and time again, they get disappointed when their friends advocate for other minorities sorry, their non-Jewish friends advocate for other minorities when things come up, but when something comes up where they could do with their support on social media or wherever else, there's a silence. Any words that you want to say to them that, you know, should they not be getting upset? Should they, yeah, what would you, what would you say? That's the only thing I can say is try to not get upset about it. This is very upsetting. This is very upsetting. I've experienced this many, many times over. I have a lot of friends who experienced this many times over. This is extremely upsetting. It is absolutely happening. Uh, Protecting Jewish lives, fighting against anti-Semitism, protecting Jewish rights to self-determination in the land of Israel. All these things are not a fashionable cause and they don't get people rallied up and they don't get people excited. And there's a black square on Instagram, squazillions of them and about four and a half blue squares when like anti-Semitic attacks are happening everywhere, right? So I don't have an advice on how to handle it because I am, I'm handling this on a regular basis as well. So literally I'm just take a deep breath, don't make it mean anything and carry on with your life and keep doing the work. Because if we start, if we get upset about this, where it's, there's no end to it, we're going to be just depressed all day long. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, sort of any sort of overall tips and advice, because I, I, I love this quote of yours. I don't know if you recall saying it. You said, if we as a Jewish community don't know how to answer these uncomfortable questions in inverted commas and have these uncomfortable conversations, we shouldn't be surprised when the conversation gets taken away from us. Totally. Yeah. So if again, you don't, if you don't know define, if you don't know to def- as a Jewish person, if you don't know to define Zionism, don't be surprised when Bella Hadid defines Zionism for you. Yes. 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 Take control is what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Empower yourself. Control educate yourself. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. And also, you talk about not being. Don't be triggered. Like that's another word that gets around. Oh, yeah. Like you've got no time for yeah. being triggered. Can you just talk about that for no. a minute? Well, <laughs> or am I triggering you? <laughs> I love having this conversation. No, not at all. <laughs> no, um, it takes a lot to trigger me. I'm, I sit with like anti-Semites and have conversations with people who de- <laughs> deny it's right to exist a lot. Like I've been on Clubhouse a lot. Yes. Um, and I have a lot of woke friends as well. Like I have a lot of like friends who were woke before this was a word. Like, and I heard all these concepts <laughs> about like from the river to the sea and like the, the you know, Israel is an apartheid and a colonial state and all that. I've heard this in dinner parties like years ago with friends, some of them even like Jewish. I'd be like, what are you talking about? So I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm very well versed in sitting with like uncomfortable conversations um, like that, but in general in life, right? So this is, you know, you got a lot of, you know, we've, we've got a lot of women listeners here right we do proud women yeah great i have four <laughs> sisters i'm all about girls all about my you know got my girl cruise you know, i'm all about it so in general be, being a powerful person is being unmessable with 
So it's being able to be with every conversation and we every with every human being, right? So I'm talking about now, not just and I'm, I want I want your listeners to I want I want who who is listening to this right now to think of it from a context of like our personal life as well, right? So not getting triggered is a like a superpower in a way. If you can be with the I just thought about that I may write something about that at some point because I didn't think about it that way. So it's if you can be with any person and we all have that one person that pushes every single button. If you can be powerful with that person, then you're powerful. That's it. You're done. It's over. I love that. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and then, and then you're unmissable with, and then nobody can touch you. And it's the same with like conversations about Israel, conversation about Judaism. It's, it's the same every, across. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. It's across the board, right? With everything in life. So I'm very well versed in sitting and having conversations with anti-Semites and, and, and like anti-Zionists and people who hate Israel and hate the Jews, right? But then I have a person in my life that I'm not going to share because it's too, way too personal that like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I hate you. You're horrible. And I'm like, that's, I don't want to be triggered by that person. So I'm working on that as well through working on everything mm. else. So it's all the same, right? It's all the same. So not get triggered by these conversations is something that we should take for, you know, not just like anti-Semitism and delegitimization, but like in life in general. I absolutely love that. I love that so much when you, what you said, you know, that soundbite, not being triggered is a superpower. And I know you're going to do something. I love this. Please tag me in that so I can share whatever you do straight away because- we can be, it's, it's the whole thing, isn't it? We're not victims. If I, if I'm being triggered, Eleanor, I'm giving all the power to you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So Eleanor Roosevelt said that she said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Oh, so good. isn't it brilliant? Yeah. And it's, it's just all about em- empowerment. And I think there's so much good stuff in this episode to be empowered by. This is my empowered edition. <laughs> I love it. So let's, let's finish off with some nice, fun, quick fire Lighthearted. Great. I think they're lighthearted questions just to balance it all out a bit. Falafel or hummus? Oh, wow. This is difficult. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oof. my favorite would be masabacha, which is a variation of hummus breakfast thing with them. Okay. So we'll do that. But I love them all. I can't, I can't choose. I'm, I'm officially not choosing. Yes. Okay. Can you choose between shakshuka or shawarma? <laughs> shakshuka. shakshuka. Love shawarma, shakshuka. but I love shakshuka more. Favorite Jewish holiday? Oh, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, why? Um, I don't know. I just yeah. love it. I love all. I love Rosh Hashanah and Passover. I do big dinners always. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I saw you cook up a storm for Passover. It looks so. Good. I know. Yeah, I know. It's really good. <laughs> Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? Tel Aviv. Sorry. I'm I was born and raised there. It's not fair. I'm with you, sister. Love um, Jerusalem. Love you, but like Tel Aviv is my place. Hiking up Masada or swimming in the Dead Sea? Swimming in the Dead Sea. What small thing is bringing you joy lately or Jewish joy or just joy in general? What small thing? Shabbat dinner. There's nothing better than Shabbat dinner. Mm. Shabbat dinner every Friday. We do, we do Shabbat. We do it mostly here, but sometimes we go to a friend's house. It's just such a great anchor in the week. It's so great. And what is something people seem to misunderstand about you (laughs) in regards to being Jewish or Israeli or anything else? A person in general. All right. I'll give you that. Cause it's like, cause it's like got a lot of girls here listening. So I joke about myself that I'm a Labrador in a leopard skin. 
<laughs> so I think I come across a whole lot more like stronger and ball buster than I actually am. And it's like a joke because when people get to know me, they're like, oh my God, you're such a, such a little, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm oh. really. It's funny here in the UK, so I don't know whether, I... you, whether you have it in America, we've got a great quote that it's like the opposite, an iron fist and a velvet glove. But you're like the opposite. Oh, it's the opposite. I'm de- definitely the opposite. I come across as a velvet, as, a, as an iron fist and I'm actually a velvet glove. I'm actually <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and finally, if you could have Shabbat dinner, Friday night dinner with any three Jewish people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Uh, David Mangorian, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and oy, uh, John Stewart. Oh, great. I'll be, I, I think, hope the, I could be I think the four too. of us would have a blast. Yeah, it sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, no, we have had so much, I didn't expect to have like so much fun talking about this, but I've so enjoyed it with you and Thank I've you. learned so much and you're just a blast. And I just, I'm just a big fan and uh, I hope everyone got as much out of the episode today as I did. I'm sure they did. Um, we'll link to your book in the show notes and all the other things we mentioned will be linked to in the show notes. Tell everyone where's the best place to follow you, find out about you, get into the world of Noah Tishby. Noah Tishby, N-O-A-T-I-S-H-B-Y on all platforms. <laughs> oh, it's been so fun today and so Thank enlightening you. in the equal parts. Thank you, Noah. <laughs>